The globalists are not hiding. They are hiding in plain sight. You need to know that we're living in the days that the Bible, we're seeing chess pieces set up. I am not saying that we're in the tribulation period. I am saying that we're seeing the indicators that it's coming. And if that's true, then how much sooner is the return of the Lord to snatch his church up and away into his presence called the rapture? Welcome to Understanding the Times Radio with Jan Markell, Radio for the Remnant, brought to you by Olive Tree Ministries. Today, Jan features a presentation given at September's Futures Conference sponsored by Pastor Jack Hibbs and Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, California. Pastor Jack and Charlie Kirk examine the strategy, goals, and agenda of the World Economic Forum. When do they want to launch their Great Reset? Will the church be here to see it? Here is today's programming. And welcome to the program, say, on this holiday weekend. I chose to play a message given at the 2022 Futures Conference put on by Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, California, and Pastor Jack Hibbs. I had the privilege of speaking at the event in 2021, and I can tell you that a remnant of believers are truly anticipating his return. You have heard me discuss the Great Reset two dozen times on this program, and that is an effort of the world's globalists, led by Klaus Schwab, with two dozen at his side, to move on from capitalism to global government, which, by the way, is outlined in Revelation 13. So this hour, you will hear what I believe is a captivating discussion on all of this with Jack Hibbs and his guest, Charlie Kirk. Charlie has actually written a book on the reset. It's titled The Conservative Response to the Great Reset. Let me clarify, Olive Tree is not carrying the book at this time. The Futures Conference was just a few months ago, so I'm going to take you to it now. All the info presented is still very, very current, and I hope you enjoy the discussion. So, Charlie, here we are tonight, and we're going to be talking about a topic that you are uh, up to speed on, and it is one that I'm going to put parentheses to regarding this. What we're going to be talking about and what you're going to be expounding upon is headline news, and some of it's going to be headline news, but it's all rooted in what the Bible says in the last days— There'll be the formation that will ultimate, ultimately take power. Right now it's forming. But there's going to be a global church. Not a Christian church, a global church. There's going to be a global government. There's going to be a global currency. There's going to be a global leader. And so as we look at the scriptures, mainly Revelation 13 tonight and what I just mentioned... What have you learned? What are we seeing? Who is saying what about basically creating a kingdom outside of God's kingdom? Yeah, well, first, uh, I have to thank Jack for a couple things. The first thing I have to thank Jack for is I'm now known as the Great Reset Guy uh, because <laughs> we did this event a couple months ago, and I did some prep, and I really just wrote, I, I read all their documents for a weekend because it's all public, and you can read it all. And the video, just as you mentioned, Jack, went so viral, uh, millions and millions of views. And so people stopped me in airports 
And, you know, I think they're going to ask about, you know, how's Turning Point going? They say, hey, uh, the Great Reset. Uh, I have a question about number eight. I said, what are we doing? I'm, a, I'm the Great Reset guy? Like, okay. Um, and so thank you, Jack, for that. And thank you to this church. And honestly, praise God, millions of people are getting educated on this topic. It's very, very important. It impacts all of our lives. But I do want to make sure I say this. Um, every Sunday I watch Jack. This is a courageous man that is doing so much for our country. And I only know him because of my good friend Rob McCoy right up here, who's another great courageous pastor in our country. And there's something really special happening. So, yeah, Jack, to answer your question, I thought it would be appropriate to actually go through their book tonight as we kind of go through all the different topics, which is part of their strategy, which is to hide in plain sight. So one of the tactics that they use is they smear anyone that dares call them globalist, global takeover as conspiracy theorists, but you could just read the book. It's called The Great Reset. <laughs> Literally, COVID-19, The Great Reset, written by Klaus Schwab. You could see it yourself. And, you know, it, they're not shy about what their ambitions are at all. It's listed on their website. They give open speeches about it. And that's part of the strategy because they think that will diffuse the virality of the topic because they're so open and they're so forthright with it. And so for those of you that might have missed our previous, you know, time together or as not as caught up to speed on it, I'm just going to do this super quick. So there is an organization called the World Economic Forum. It involves government leaders, uh, leaders of business, cultural leaders, uh, politicians, you name it, all up and down the gamut. And they meet in Davos uh, once a year all about how they can synergize world governments, business, strategies together to try and create a one-world government, a one-world strategy, if you will. Now, unfortunately, there's been some people that have attended the World Economic Forum over the last decade that would shock you. Rick Warren, for example, uh, was a presenter at the World Economic Forum from Saddleback Church, where he said globalism will only be possible if the American church goes along with it. Now, I'm not here on a crusade against Rick Warren, but it does deserve to be mentioned when we talk about this, that some of the most vocal and high-profile pastors in America have been aiding and assisting the World Economic Forum over the last decade. So what do they want? Well, you read right here in the book, they want a reset. Okay. But then the logical question should be, how can you reset something if it's not broken? Mm -hmm. So you got to break it first. And that's what you're living through right now. Properly understood, you will find great comfort when you understand their philosophy. Because I know a lot of you are probably watching the news and you get very confused, understandably. Because it feels as if this is an intentional campaign of destruction of America, of the West, of our economic strength. And you say, what are they doing? Why are they doing this? Because the strategy is to shatter it and then reset it. Inflation, the open borders, the destruction of national sovereignty, the deterioration of normalcy. Literally, they talk in their propaganda about getting rid of the idea of normal. The queering of children is what they openly talk about in their circles. It's all part of a strategy to break it first because then reset it because there's nothing like a crisis to give a lot of power and centralize all this power. And so that's kind of the buildup. So the, this man who runs it is a guy by the name of Klaus Schwab. He's a professor. He has an immense amount of power. Uh, he's German. Uh, he, con he convenes these people and he's trying to get people to buy in to a vision 
Now, this is something I think a lot of Christians miss, and Jack, you and I were playing around with this backstage, which is we as Christians have a view of the end. We win. God wins, let me put it that way. But they have their own theory of the end too. There's two eschatologies. They, they talk openly in their philosophy about what they think eternity will be. The merging of man and machine, for example. The uploading of consciousness. This is very important that they are taking Christian eschatological promises and then hijacking it for their own purposes. We'll explain that deeper throughout the evening. But what Klaus Schwab has done, which is very, very brilliant, he talks about here in the book, The Great Reset. In fact, why don't we just read from his book because the media says, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. Oh, really? The broader point is this. The possibilities for change and the resulting new order are now unlimited. Only bound by our imagination for better or for worse. You get the point. We should take advantage of this unprecedented opportunity to reimagine our world in a bid to make it better and more resilient as it emerged on the other side of this crisis. They're saying right here, COVID-19 is a once in a millennia opportunity to reimagine our planet. Break the American financial system. Destroy the borders. This gives them an opportunity to do something that quite honestly has not been even attempted or tried in quite some time, which is best articulated in Genesis 11, which is the Tower of Babel. It is trying to rebuild what Nimrod tried to do in Genesis 11, which is one language, one government, not to glorify God, but to build something that would eventually challenge God all the way up to the heavens. And God scattered them for a reason and for a purpose. In fact, in Genesis 11, God says, my goodness, if these humans can do this when they all can speak the same language, they're up to no good. And he brought confusion. In fact, Babel literally means confusion. It means, you know, not orderly or can't speak properly. This is an attempt to rebuild the spirit of the Tower of Babel. One government, no borders, one currency. And this kind of spiritual battle is unfolding right in front of us as articulated in their playbook. It's all here, The Great Reset by Klaus Schwab. It's absolutely awesome. And so right now here in this state, as you mentioned, we've got the border situation where uh, one team that happens to be in power at this moment cries about human trafficking and cries about all the ills of all the inequality and things that are going on. And yet it's that team, that very team, that is taking really the instructions right out of that playbook and our southern borders are wide open because it serves their purpose to diminish the united states the united states is in the way isn't it yeah the united states is the glitch in the matrix if the united states can fall and crumble everything they want to do becomes easier you will see the reign of despots and tyrants and this is what bothers me so much about christians that say oh who cares about america america stands in the gap against every evil actor imaginable. If not America, who storms the beaches of Normandy or takes Guadalcanal or Iwo Jima? You will have the worst aspects of humanity reign supreme. And it, they have to destroy us financially, culturally, morally, through our sovereignty, and to try to create that oneness, right? To try to create that one world government. It is not God's plan for his people to have one government. It's actually his goal, his stated purpose is to have checks and balances, to have many nations, 
not one government that supersedes it all. And so when you look at it through the proper prism, all of the chaos that we're living through is strategic. I think we make a mistake at times where we say, oh, these people don't know what they're doing. And you're right, at times you have the vice president confuse North and South Korea. You know, you have Joe Biden talk to the dead, which is so cruel. It's awful, honestly, he did that. I get it, like there's understandable mix-ups. But, mix-ups, right? <laughs> but they have a plan. And guess what? You read in the World Economic Forum's own website as articulated in their book, quote, their prediction by 2030, America will no longer be the world's superpower. That's their goal. And so they know that a foreign army will never take us over in our lifetime. So they have to destroy us from within. And how do you destroy a population from within? They are launching the same sort of tactics that we would use to overthrow a country halfway around the world internally, divide us racially, trying to take the church to spread propaganda against their own congregants to be apathetic or cynical and not be in a place of action. Get your children to be propagandized against core American values. It's an all-out assault in that kind of attempt to create that one world government. And yes, part of it, by the way, one of the main vessels of this entire thing, and we could talk a whole hour about this, Jack, is environmentalism. There, environmentalism is the great fifth column that we're living through. You might say, well, what's a fifth column? It's another word for a Trojan horse. The fifth column is a term that was used in ancient military um, lingo, if you will, where you'd have four columns on the battlefield, and your fifth column would be the spies within the city you're trying to take over who would be spreading rumors and mischief. It's the enemy within, if you will. It's the sleeper cell. It's the CIA, the KGB equivalent. And so they have a strategy that's doing this. And what I think for most people, once you read the book and you go through this, Every single decision that is being made from the top levels, what for, even from the radical abortion stuff, the transgender stuff, to all of this, it all harmonizes with the goal of a one-world government. And environmentalism is one of those vessels because what better way to get a rich country poor than to not be able to be able to power your hospitals, your schools, or transport yourself easily. Germany, an incredibly wealthy country, is going to have to use firewood to be able to heat their homes this winter because of the false pagan god of environmentalism. That's right. Because of the secularization of Europe, they have, a, they have an improper view of the environment. We're, we are called to respect the environment, but the environment is here for human beings. We are not here for the environment. That's right. A biblical view of the environment is not to say that we should sacrifice the flourishing of humanity for a tree. The tree is there to help us to take dominion over the earth so that we can flourish. And you're going to see Germany suffer as a consequence of that. ESG environmentalism is a big component of this. So Charlie's talking about Romans chapter 1 in your Bible, isn't he? If you think about that, where the Bible tells us that in the last days, well, first of all, not just the last days, uh, but uh, human uh, longs for worship. And a, a human will create worship no matter what it has to do to the carving of a totem pole to the bowing down to a crystal. A human is going to find something to worship. In the book of Romans chapter 1, it tells us that one of the indicative things, uh, how you recognize a debased culture, is that it will denounce or deny the existence of the creator and wind up worshiping the creation. 
And so I don't know if you guys ever saw the uh, mini documentary that our friend Will Witt did on the green religion. But you need to see that, by the way. He met, Charlie mentions uh, the environmentalism and this recycling stuff that we're supposed to be all about. If you saw what happened to recycled items that you are recycling at your house, if you saw what it wound up doing, you would never recycle again. And you need to look at that. You can just go research that. The documentary by Will Witt uh, is tragic. But it, it dovetails perfectly into what Charlie is saying about this end-time globalism. And environmentalism is a, a, a bleeding heart issue. Oh, yes. And if you say, well, wait a minute, I don't know if that's right that we do this for that, for this reason, for that cause. It's almost like you're committing blasphemy. But I guess you are against the God or gods that they worship. Yeah, and let's just get straight to the point, which is what is the logical conclusion if you have a moral value of the environment over human beings? Less human beings. And the through line is the philosophical undercurrent of the globalists is they're open depopulation advocates. Yeah. openly about it right where they talk about there's too many human beings on the planet that we are widely inefficient creatures as one of their philosophers would say and that less human beings would get us towards a more efficient world it is a depopulation agenda now they're a little more careful about that in the book i'll be honest they're not that forthright with it but it's the, the essence is definitely there and I do want to make another point about this book, and this will be controversial for some people to hear, but this is, this is, a, this is written like a religious document. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, it's sacrilegious for us, and it is heretical, but the way that they put this together, the themes, the essence, the goals, the destination that they're trying to drive humanity, they are trying to gather the world's elites to buy into a consensus that... If we are able to combine our power, then this can actually be achieved. I want you to think about that. Because they, they have almost appropriated religion as we know it, Christianity, taken the same sort of promise and hope of eternity, and they've turned it into the most sinister secular aims and ambitions. And one final thing about the depopulation, which I think is very, very important. There's a list of questions that we're going to go through tonight that differentiate what Satan wants for his kingdom and what Jesus wants for his kingdom. Very big differences, right? And one of the most important questions is what is a human being? It's a very simple question. But it's an unbelievably complicated question when you ask it to a kid on a college campus, for example. (laughs) Because they actually have never thought about it. So I, I went to UC Berkeley recently and uh, spoke there. I didn't go actually attend. But um, <laughs> I, I visit, made that clear. Yeah. I, uh, I visit college campuses so you don't have to. And so <laughs> I, I visited Berkeley and I, asked, I just asked a very simple question, which what is a human being? And for those of us, it's very simple. Made in the image of God. Image bearers. You've got a soul. You've got an eternity. You've got a date with something that will never end. For them, it's just a combination of cells. It's just the act of error, actually. It's a roll of the dice. We just so happen to get consciousness and reason, the ability to feel, and to do some pretty cool stuff. And so if you believe human beings was an accident, the creation of human beings was an accident through a Darwinist process, which is mathematically impossible, by the way. Great book, Darwin's Doubt. If you can read it, it's terrific. It's very, very well done by Dr. Meyer. If anyone has any doubts on the issue, just read the book, Darwin's Doubt. 
But if you believe a human being is an accident, then why not just get rid of most of the human beings that aren't as smart, aren't as logical? They believe this because they don't believe the human being has a soul. They don't believe the human being has, is an image bearer of the creator. It's one of the most important civilizational defining questions of our time, which drives me insane when most Christians don't weigh in on political cultural issues. The paramount issue of our time is the question of what is a human being? Is it an image bearer and something worthy of protection and dignity that has rights, or did it come into existence because of a splendid accident? The answer to that question dictates your politics, your morality, your government, your actions, all of it. And so for pastors out there that say, well, of course it's an image bearer, then you better be speaking out like never before, because you're up against people that think we're nothing more than a genetic accident. That's right. I find it interesting that Charlie and the the view where we're speaking out of is predominantly with Klaus Schwab, with the Great Reset, a European type of genesis from that direction. But it's interesting to take note that the CCP, the Communist Chinese Party, now these are alternative, these are opponents uh, in globalism pursuits, but it's interesting that Satan is uh, one and the same. But he spreads his propaganda, and, there, and you say, well, what does China have to do with what we're talking about here? Uh, the CCP learned decades ago, and they even put it into print, that they could never, as Charlie said, it's true, they, China believes that they could never beat us militarily. And so they did what Alexis de Tocqueville did. They began to research what makes America unique. we got to find a way to infiltrate and, and lessen its impact, because we're not going to beat its military. And so as they looked, they began to find out that, uh, well, Hitler said this, and, and uh, Stalin and Marx, these guys said this, and so we know this. Let's take a look at, at the children. And so they looked at child ed- education in America. And you may be surprised to find out that the inroads that the CCP has made, the funding, uh, bringing money into the education system, and the money's not coming in saying, hi, I'm money from China to overthrow you. It's all veiled and it's all layered. And But here's what got me going was the CCP's concern, like I think Klaus Schwab is concerned and the World Economic Forum is, because the author of both those insanities is Satan. China figured out the church has got to go away for us to be successful in what we want to do. We've got to see the the deconstruction of the nuclear family. We've got to get racism stoked. And we've got to get the church intimidated, shut down, or somehow silenced. And you're going to be hearing more about that. I'm going to be talking more about that in the future. But I find it interesting where a moment ago we were coming from the European perspective, and so we should be with the Great Reset. China's got their own plan. My point is this. I'm glad you're here tonight. Because you need to know that we're living in the days that the Bible, we're seeing chess pieces set up. I am not saying that we're in the tribulation period. I am saying that we're seeing the indicators that it's coming. And if that's true, then how much sooner is the return of the Lord to snatch his church up and away into his presence called the rapture? Charlie. Yeah, so the CCP and the World Economic Forum are just different flavors of the same poison. They both believe in the same thing, which is very simple. They want the few to rule the many. It's that simple. 
Now, and they also agree on something very pragmatic and practical. America's in the way. So the World Economic Forum and the CCP have an alliance. It's a very quiet one. It's one where they know that they're both very powerful, but the Western world, which is basically just America now, because Western Europe, unfortunately, has been just ravaged by these people, is it. America is it. America is the only one that has the wealth, the people, the ambition, the creativity, the Christian population. So they are executing a massive squeeze operation. Both entities are working collaboratively to destroy the free world. And then they'll just fight over the spoils afterwards. The Chinese Communist Party, through a 1.3 billion person takeover of the African continent and of South America, through buying ports of entry, buying up farmland, you know, buying airports and leasing them back to native populations, a new form of colonialism, and the World Economic Forum by, as Klaus Schwab would say, penetrating the cabinets, creating the Young Global Leaders Alliance, and having not one Western leader call for an investigation into the origins of the virus. Demanding reparations for this virus being unleashed on the world. That's right. Where you have the World Health Organization covering for the Chinese Communist Party. Because they look at each other as helpful. Because they might have different opinions on what color to make the Tower of Babel. Or what food to serve. Right? The World Economic Forum, veganism. The Chinese would serve Chinese food. Yeah. And that's it. Like, they have little differences, but they know that we must crush America. And they both have spirits of the Antichrist, of demonic activity, and of, uh, and you could call whatever you want, of Satan, which is the few need to rule the many. And they both completely agree. So if you had basically three people up on stage and you couldn't tell who was giving the answers, mm -hmm. you had Jack, you had a Chinese Communist Party official, and you had Klaus Schwab. You'd ask them, what is a human being? Jack would say, made in the image of God, mind, body, soul, someone that's going to have a date with eternity and then have to reconcile for that. Only Jesus Christ can solve that problem for you and you can get eternity. The answer of the CCP and the World Economic Forum would be identical. That's right. An accident of history stumbled into existence and power is all we have. They agree on every major fundamental thing. They just disagree on what to do once you take over. And I think that's very important and very profound that you have this intercontinental power alliance because if the World Economic Forum was good for anything, you think about this, right? If there was an international organization that existed, wouldn't it be logical that that one international organization would unite the free world against the largest, most evil government that exists, which is the CCP? Instead, they never call them out, they cover for them, and they work in alliance in tandem with them, which goes, which goes exactly to show their their, their shared ambitions and their same goals on that. So, Jack, I'm really glad you mentioned that. Um, and then there's other questions, Jack, if we can go through this. Absolutely. Yeah, so, so look, there's, there's, cr there's critical questions. So everyone here tonight, we agree on some very, very big picture things. We believe there is a God and we are not him. That's right. Two Amen. very big things, Thank right? God. Praise God. Yeah. If I said that at the World Economic Forum, I'd get a bunch of stares. <laughs> because they would either say, well, there is no God, or they would say, oh, yeah, there is a God, me. That's right. One of the two things. So it would split the room. So you'd have half the room that believes there is no God, nothing. But if someone would say, no, no, there is a God, it's me, it's my country, my firm, my enterprise. And so you have a whole group of people 
where their focus is so immediate, so temporal, so against God's design in every way possible. And, and just to take a, a momentary segue of this is, you know, so, someone asked me the other day, they said, Charlie, I can't make sense as to why they're so focused on medical mutilation of children for profit. Amazing. Or they're so focused on abortion. Why is it? I said, man, you think about it, what could make you feel more godlike than changing the design of a child or crushing the child in the womb? That's right. there, there is nothing that makes you feel more like a deity than literally changing the natural law. That's right. And I know that's something that some people in this room, they have no comprehension of that. It's so distant from your morality, from how you view the world. And from, it, but this is, this is why they're so focused on it. Because if you cannot use the power that human, being, human beings have made via technology to change what is natural, then you actually are not the God that you think you are. That's right. If, if Gavin Newsom had to admit that a human being is made in the image of God and not be able to use human technology to crush that being then he would not be able to look in the mirror and say, I'm the most important thing. Because he isn't the most important thing. It's the opposite of humility. It's pride. It's the prideful that use the human technology to crush those that can't protect themselves. Which goes back to the fundamental question, which is when you go to a secularist, you go to an atheist, you go to a World Economic Forum member, you go to anyone, and they have a whole, by the way, chapter on morality, and it is a, it is a pile of rubbish. You ask the very simple question, why should the strong protect the weak? Very simple moral question. Why? They can't answer it. In fact, they don't believe it. That's right. They believe the strong should crush the weak That's because right. they're not efficient. That's exactly correct. Because they don't deserve to exist. Why not? So there's been some players in history that have held that view. Let <laughs> me think for a moment. Let me guess. Hmm. Hitler? Right? Margaret Sanger? Every despot, every dictator, every tyrant believes that and Absolutely. so it's so and this is what we have to realize as christians we've got to wake up is that it's so baked into what we consider to be normal we don't even talk about this of course the strong should protect the weak obviously oh really do we still believe that with the thousands of kids that get medically mutilated for profit from our top hospitals where's the strong intervening and protecting the weak from the irreversible damage there or of course we talk about abortion that so go ahead jackson no We'll pick that up in a second. The linkage, nobody stops to talk about the linkage between the sexual mutilation that's being done by medical professionals on children and suicide. That's right. Why isn't people, why aren't people talking about that? You think COVID was a big deal? You swallowed the bill of goods compared to the suicide rates of what's taking place in the world with this amalgamation thing of what is a gender. And let's be honest, and you guys, we've been saying this for a while now. How is it in the world? Don't you think that globally, all at once, we've got the World Economic Forum thing going on, the CCP thing going on, the infiltration of, and belief that America is the problem, and all around the world, the exact same time, gender issue, LBGTQ issue, all at the same time, globally at the same time. You think that's a coincidence? Charlie earlier tonight mentioned the spirit of Antichrist. First John tells us that the spirit of Antichrist is already here in the world. It is a thought process that I believe is a mind that is reprobate. The Bible speaks of a reprobate mind. It's a mind that no longer entertains the concept or thought or the existence of God. And when that mind is godless in its thought, 
then that void is filled. And when that void is filled, as he said, people do things like today. And I can't, I can't mention certain things anymore. I've been beat to death this week in social media because I'm being punished by <laughs> Silicon Valley right now. But by, because I mentioned certain things about what you need to vote against and certain bills that are out there. So uh, Silicon Valley's covering for our governor's uh, lordship. His deification of self. Yes, that's exactly that he has stepped in the place of determining with the stroke of his pen, I will decide who lives and who dies. And I will decide who becomes a male or a female. I will give them this. Now, you got to stop and think for a second. I'm going to let Charlie go. Not go, but talk. <laughs> the Bible says there's a, there's a man coming on the scene, the Antichrist. And at some point in time, Satan will enter into him. Convinced of this. What Satan could never get, and that was for even Jesus himself. Jesus wouldn't bow down. Remember, remember Satan said, just bow down and worship me, and I'll give all these kingdoms to you. You know, that was a real temptation. It was for real. Satan is the God, little g, of this world. Okay? He's the prince of the power of the air. Okay? So he asked Jesus, you just bow down and worship me, and, and you can have some food. Didn't he try that on Eve? You can become a god if you just bite into this fruit. And so what is he offering these guys now on the global scene? You can become a god too. Hey, any religion that says you can become a god is not good. <laughs> and so let me tell you why they believe that. Tech, like very from a technical perspective, which is when I mention this, the media goes nuts. So you're all going to be part of the news cycle because they're totally going to watch this. So there, there is a, this is, this is very important, and I'm going to do my best to articulate it because it's a very complicated topic. I'll try to make it simple, which is what, what is the goal of the transgender thing? There's a lot of different goals, gender confusion, you know, satanic manipulation of children. All of that is legitimate and true. But there is something that I believe it is a gateway, and they've articulated it, which is transhumanism, okay? And this is what I mean as when they have their own eschatology, their own view of the end time. Remember, the question, what is a human being? You don't answer that question correctly, then you get into all sorts of wacky and demonic stuff. Okay, so if human beings are an accident of history, and it's just the roll of the dice, and we just happen to be the way we are, then they don't believe in an afterlife, so they have to try to create eternity here, which is precisely what Yuval Harari, everybody needs to know that name, Yuval Harari, who's part of the World Economic Forum and his buddies with Klaus Schwab, who is the leading spokesperson of transhumanism. Okay, what is transhumanism? Transhumanism is the merging of man and machine. Now, this might have been laughed at years ago, but I'll tell you, we are closer to that than ever before when I see how attached people are to their cell phones, to their Apple iWatches, and this is just the introductory phase of where they're going. So the way they look at it is this, and Yuval Harari is the leading theorist on this and you know, the leading spokesperson. You could live forever, just upload your consciousness, and we blend it with artificial intelligence, and you'll never die. You can live forever. We can make 
a robot out of you. They, by the way, have a plan to get this done by 2040, just so we're clear. And every human being will be connected to some sort of Borg-like machine. You'll live most of your existence in a metaverse-type reality. And when you're done, it all gets uploaded, and it will never be destroyed. You're in the cloud. You're in the cloud. You're there forever. So if you believe that there is not a God, or you believe that you are a God, or that you want to be a God, boy, is that exciting. Think about it. You take someone like Gavin Newsom, who we love picking on, who I don't know his views of the afterlife. I don't think he's exactly on our team, but I might be shocked. I don't think so. It's like, wow, not only can I live forever, but I get to choose who lives forever. Well, now you're really super God. I get to be one of the oligarchs that get to choose who gets uploaded and who doesn't. And what metaverse they play on. And what that world looks like. And whether or not they get justice or injustice. Now you're really getting in to stuff that dictators 100 years ago couldn't even have dreamed of. Where you get to go create the world that people participate in. Oh, yeah, that's Mark Zuckerberg right now for some people that go into the metaverse. It's very sloppy. The tech isn't great. But boy, you can see where this thing is headed, right? You're talking about God didn't create the heavens and the earth. Facebook creates the world that you live in. And you do nothing but upload your entire existence to a machine behind you. And that's exactly what I mean when I say they have a view of eschatology. Yuval Harari says, and you can look up the quote, why get married, why have kids when we can just turn you into a machine and you can live forever in the cloud. So check this out with what he's saying. Maybe you know this, maybe you don't. And yeah, the technology uh, is going to get better on this, but you don't need anybody. Just think about it. You have the state. We'll just call it the state, the machine. You don't need anybody. And even regarding your physical gratifications, there's... There are, there's technology where you can zip on a suit and plug it into a computer and you have your headset and you have this image and the sensations and the experience with a cyber something in a, in a sexual way is already there and they've already experimented. They've done these things and you say, well, that's crazy, but wait a minute, don't we pay money to go to the theater to see sci-fi things of, of half-human, half-machine things. And we laugh and we think it's a superhero film and it's, it's, and it's funny. There's people who believe this stuff. You say, oh, I'd never believe such a thing. Maybe you wouldn't, but it's irrelevant. They do. You might look at that book by Klaus Schwab and say, that's nuts. So, so you think so. But... He doesn't, and he's got the power to do it. And so I believe this. The Bible says, and I think it's pretty clear, that just right after the rapture or at the time of the rapture, the Bible says that God will send the world strong delusions so that they will believe the lie. And it says the reason why is because they would not receive the love of the truth. So God sends them strong delusion. In other words, he just gives them what they wanted. He doesn't make them dumb about God. He gives them what they want. And what happens? They wind up, the Bible says, saying that that guy right there, he's our God. We call him the Antichrist. 
But the world's going to call him God. Did you know that? The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 2 that they're going to, the world will worship him as God. And he will stand in the temple in Jerusalem as God. And he will declare himself that he is God. That's what the Bible says about what's coming. And we're talking tonight in the 21st century. 21 centuries have passed since that was written. And listen to what Charlie's talking about. It's coming to pass. It's absolutely thrilling. If you don't know your Bible, why not? <laughs> really, dive in. You'll be fascinated. Yeah, the, the Bible is not up to date. It's ahead of time. Got to <laughs> yeah. always remember that. And so to um, just close the point on the transgender thing very quickly, which is it's conditioning the population to look at intervening technology as a gateway to liberation. That's what the transgender thing is all about. It's not about man or woman or gender dysphoria. Or it's not about any of that, okay? It's about conditioning you to look at very aggressive intervention from a machine, from a surgeon, from medicine, whatever, as a gateway to then be liberated to your true self. It's getting you ready to get plugged up to a machine. And I say this publicly and the media loses it. Go look at the literature. Go look at the top funders of transhumanism, multi-billionaires people that are transgender advocates that openly talk about how this is an introductory step. There's entire books and literature written about this. And so the, it's important that, of course, all the transgender stuff of what is a man and what is a woman and all that, very important from a moral standpoint, from a language standpoint. That's a whole different thing, trying to destroy our language and get us into you know, absolute confusion, not have the same terms. That's part of it, right? But the other part that I just want to make sure, because people don't like talking about this because they get accused of all sorts of things. I don't care because truth is much more important than popularity for me, which Amen. is that they, they, they want you... They want you to all of a sudden be comfortable with, huh, you know, there's millions of eight-year-olds that are taking Lupron. There's not millions yet, but there's tens of thousands of children mm -hmm. that are taking Lupron, which this is a side note. We, we don't even allow rapists to take Lupron, okay? It, 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 was, it was deemed by courts as being too cruel for sex offenders. Too cruel for sex offenders. It's a chemical castration drug that boosts estrogenic production so high that it basically changes your hormonal production. We're giving that to 8, 9, and 10-year-olds. So there, there's a deeper agenda here at play. In the last days, they will call good evil and evil good. Light, dark, and dark light. Amen. And we're seeing that happen. Again, there's nothing in this world that's happening that the Bible does not address. Literally, if you're not familiar with your Bible, it answers everything to what's going on. It's amazing to me that the world is actually catching up to what the Bible has been saying all along. And it's, it's quite, quite profound. And we need to remember that. So Charlie, um, regarding the reset, how does or does the book address um, uh, the, the great reset in the area of economy. There's a, there's a lot of talk these days about, um, in fact, didn't we just see the Fed chair say something recently just about... Uh... Yeah, and Jack, you'll, you'll be able to educate everyone on, on the specific biblical prop prophecy of this, but a big part of this is cashless, right? Transitioning to numbers as currency. 
right? They talk openly about this. And it's really, I mean, again, I could go through all the notes here. I encourage you, if you're really into this, just buy the book and read it yourself. We do entire podcasts on this. We'll talk about it at the end of how if you really want to dive deep into it, understand their philosophy, their actions, their motives, and all of it. But they look at the economy as an opportunity for control. And they also, everything that they focus on, it's so interesting, has a through line towards mass conglomeration of power and centralization. And so you think about economics, which right now a lot of people are living through some economic uncertainty, which is intentional carnage, by the way, totally intentional. That's right. Inflation, inflation is a strategy to break the back of the American dollar and to break our uh, economic prosperity. You, you look at what they're trying to do economically, you say, oh, wow, that's interesting. They want your purchasing power, your decision-making to be able to be turned off and on at a moment's notice. This idea of going cashless, which, again, we've had this 100-year arc where if you look, this is what should give you comfort as Christians, by the way, is that there is a, a spiritual energy pushing them. I know this is, why does it give you comfort? Because it means the Bible's true, okay? That's why it should give you comfort, okay? Is that 100 years ago, there was a movement to destroy the power of the American currency that was de- de- decentralized and durable and it was based in gold and metallics and finite and it went into the land of infinite, right, with the closure of the gold standard, the proliferation of the Federal Reserve. Federal Reserve was about 105 years ago. was created in 1917, I believe, with the Federal Reserve Act. All of that is now leading towards this moment where the Fed chair, Jerome Powell, says we need to now go towards a, gl- a not global, but a, a, a network online currency. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I'm, I'm clumsy with the words. Essentially, we're going all digital. That's what, a digital currency, okay? And you think about it, it's open to immediate and total manipulation. And so what is money? Money is a store of value. The ability to be able to create more money out of nowhere does not create more value, right? That's pretty obvious. Not one politician we've sent to D.C., has understood this fact. No, that's not true. Many, almost zero politicians we've sent to D.C. in the last couple of years understand this. And it's part of a broader strategy to dilute and destroy value itself. Because when there's so many dollar bills and so few products, then the dollar bills mean absolutely nothing. And to kind of tie this all together, even quicker than cultural, because the cultural stuff is a longer-term ticking time bomb, and they're def- Satan is def- definitely investing in that, He's, you know, putting some well-placed TNTs all throughout our society. If you really want to take a country over, you could take a country over in an afternoon if you break their economy. That's right. The culture stuff is long, right? That's a longer-term play. The economy stuff is quick. It's rapid. It's immediate. And the, and, and the pain is overnight. And, and look, I'm, I'm not an economic predictor. I do believe there's a lot of economic carnage coming. Uh, I think it's all intentional. I think we're going to have a labor market collapse. I think we're going to have the worst of all combinations. There was a guy on television this morning who I really respect, Saperstein, who said it's not a matter of return on investment. It's a matter of return on capital. Yeah, that's called a bank run, okay? That's really bad. When a guy who manages billions of dollars said it's a matter of just being able to get your money back at all, (laughs) let alone get an ROI. Um, And then they asked him this morning, who I really respect him. He's a very prudent investor. They said, what are you investing in? Cash. They said, well, it's, it's 9% inflation, so you're losing 9%. He said, only 9%. Ooh. And so that's just a little bit of a taste, which is intentional. I believe, remember, you can't reset something if you don't break it first. These longer-term time bombs, they're not patient enough. 
because patience is a fruit of the spirit. They don't have patience. You want to flip a country, you want to turn a civilization in an afternoon, destroy their economy. Yeah, and so on the crime issue, which is really important to talk about, which is widespread crime is a strategy and a means to the end. And this is where I think a lot of conservatives kind of miss this whole thing, because they say, well, the, the end is anarchy. No, it's not. Anarchy is the bridge. And so local police and local sheriffs are a great threat to the regime. Local police and local sheriffs are accountable to you. You know their name. They're not going to do anything nefarious. If they do, you kick them out. It's, very, it's, it's, it's close. It's accountable. There's checks and balances. So there's a bridge that needs to be created. The left has never believed in defunding the police. They believe in defunding the local police and instituting a national police force. It's a completely different thing. They want a police force that could be deployed against political opponents and dissidents like raiding Mar-a-Lago or raiding James O'Keefe's home or indicting Steve Bannon or putting Peter Navarro in leg irons or doing 40 subpoenas against people they don't like or raiding a Catholic pro-life leader's home with 30 SWAT members with his kids, quarantining the wife and the kids in another room as if he's some sort of narco-drug criminal for a misdemeanor civil dispute that the local authorities looked into and dropped. That's a priority of the Department of justice. They have never believed in no police. They just want police they can control. That's right. And so the crime is a strategy. They want it to get bad. They want the outrage. They want the fecal matter. They want the drugs. They want the fentanyl. They want the break-ins. They want all this. They want you to get an uproar. They want the people to clamor and say, send us order. Okay. We'll send the FBI. Yeah, thanks. We'll send the DOJ, we'll send our guys. We'll send an 87,000 person IRS force with guns that are well-educated on CRT and diversity, equity, inclusion. Anti-racist cops, how about that? A bunch of people that know the equity agenda of how to enforce it. And if you dare show a Bible, a MAGA hat, or participate in a thought crime, those are the people they're going to enforce against. And this is a very, another deeper point, if you guys will, which is, you know, a lot of the people pushing this talk a good game about human dignity and all this nonsense and this garbage. It's all about power for power's sake. It's very, very important. And the American left has especially just leaned into this metamorphosis. And it's been, it's not being covered by the media, but you all see this, which is how they worship power to such a great extent where they couldn't care less about rights, they couldn't care less about liberties, they just want a government that serves their own interests and crushes political dissidents. That's what they want. It's so Soviet, it's so Stalinist. And so when you see the chaos in the, in the streets of San Francisco, you might think, you're like, wow, they want anarchy. Wrong. They want anarcho-tyranny. Yeah. They want anarchy as a means to the end to be able to justify a Stalin to come in and clean it up. Otherwise, you have liberty. Local police force, you defecate, you get arrested. You, you know, put into a car, you get arrested. But when it's so bad and it's Gotham, yep. well, then all of a sudden you need a dictator. Because people are very willing to sacrifice freedom and liberty when all of a sudden everything they care is being torn apart. And so the design is to get regular everyday Americans to clamor for a dictator and a despot. That's what they're doing at the border. They want the system to be overwhelmed. They want the schools to be overwhelmed. They want the infrastructure to be overwhelmed. They want the confusion of language and, and culture and all these different things where they clamor. They say, why can't we just have an international body that could sort all this out? Well, we're so glad you asked. 
It's a design to pressure you, to metaphorically waterboard the American people into submission, where you ask eventually for what they've always had planned for you, as if it's your idea. It's all part of the design. I, I do want to end on this, because I know that this is a prophecy conference, and I know some of you are probably rolling your eyes, because here's Jack talking about demons and warlocks and all these different things, like Romans 1. And you're like, okay, is Jesus coming next Friday or next Saturday? No, we don't know the day or the hour. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. But, but I, I want to just, and this is, I have a heart to say this, which is prophecy poorly understood creates paralysis and cynicism. Prophecy properly understood creates urgency and optimism. That's right. It's completely different. That's and, right. That's good. And so the takeaway for me, and I, I want to just make this very clear as well, because, again, it could just seem overwhelming. Like, oh, my goodness. You know, they control everything. We're really going to all this. Which is the takeaway is you see all these signs. It should be the wake-up call to do more than ever to get more engaged than ever, to do more good for the kingdom, because you see all these signs, you should lean in, and you should go to action. That's not always the case, because I get emails where they say, Charlie, I bought a cabin in northern Vermont, I'm raising my six kids, we have no electricity, no internet, we're ready for the rapture, and here we go, it's not falling apart, it's falling into place. And again, I, they, they could be right, I, I, I'm not... Of course, the time and the hour is unknown. Praise God that they're, you know, following that. But I, I, I want to ask them, what do you want to be caught doing when Jesus returns? Exactly right. Right? I mean, growing vegetables? Like, I mean, that's fine. Like, maybe that you're into that. No, I want to be in the arena. Exactly. I want to be at Berkeley up against these godless exactly activists. Right. Are you kidding me? That's exactly what right. What do you want to be caught doing, right? And it's now's the time for offense. Now is this moment where it's like, okay, it's overwhelming, it's all this. And the temptation that Satan will try to whisper in somebody's ear tonight is that, hey, this is a call to apathy. Mm. That would be Satan's win opposite. out of this conference, yeah. right? Which is you're going to hear all these amazing speakers and all these signs and all of that. And it's just, you're like, wow, then I, got, I don't have to do anything. It's like, wrong. How many more people need to be saved right now? That's right. How much goodness do we need to spread, right? Liberty, this is the most important time to lean in, Absolutely. right? Well, be encouraged, folks. God has a great reset coming. Phase one will be the millennium when Jesus Christ rules and reigns out of Jerusalem, and we are reigning with him. After the thousand years, we will enjoy part two of God's great reset, the new heaven and the new earth, an eternity of complete perfection only for believers. This should spur us on to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with all that we can today so that many more might partake in these glorious future events. God's great reset, they're on the horizon. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll talk to you again next week. Contact us through our website, olivetreeviews.org. That's olivetreeviews.org. Call us central time at 763-559-4444. That's 763-559-4444. We get our mail when you write to Olive Tree Ministries and Jan Markell, Box 1452, Maple Grove, Minnesota, Five five three one one. That's Box 1452, Maple Grove, Minnesota, 
1-800-285-5311. All gifts are tax deductible. There is no promise of peace and prosperity in the new year, but God still has things under control. His eye is on the sparrow, and he is watching over you day and night. Just know that nothing happens by accident. Rather, events are God-orchestrated so that everything can fall into place. Yeah.